No one closes their eyes and they pray, so Rachel. Basic, but they were quiet. Yeah, it's a thing. We're recording now. Yeah, this is how, normally how we do it. We drift into conversation. Drift in. Just like... The conversation is, do children close their eyes when they pray? Also, well, how, is 16, that, how is that part of the ordinance? Like, did, I don't remember Jesus saying that you had to, and we don't know if he did, to be honest. I'm not going there. <laughs> also, he had long hair. Respect, so. And, yeah, yeah. and a beard with sandals. Yeah. <laughs> Friends, uh, this is Randy from the Waystation <laughs> Podcast. And William. And we have a special guest. We, we have a special guest today. Uh, Rachel Evans Davis, um, who is the um, longtime supporter non-listener of the podcast <laughs> i vet all the stories but before they go on air she does she hears them from me so i try uh, my content on her and then we do the podcast and then she hears about it from william at work the, the same day so she hears every episode of the podcast I three times just not through three recording times, yeah and then she edits appropriately i do i do you cannot I hear, say like, that no 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 go in and edit that before, yeah. before it goes on my wife, on the other hand, does not want to know anything that goes do on not, in the podcast. Do not taunt Belinda. No. <laughs> She's a force to be reckoned with. So we have Rachel on today. We're going to talk about one of her areas of domain expertise, which is or actually a couple of them, which is art and, uh, and doing volunteer work with uh, the unhoused, or as I like to call them, the people that live in open drug areas. They're called homeless. Open drug scenes. So that's yeah. what they call it in Europe. They call it... They, <laughs> People who work with this population like to call them people experiencing homelessness. Experiencing, that's nice. But it's really hard to say that's classier that, than, so we call it homelessness. Yes. People, people who are homeless. But. Yes. I have an interesting, I have like a really long-term relationship right now with two different homeless people that are really, really interesting. One is in Skid Row down next to our building, Allied Crafts yeah. building. And I call him the mayor because he seems to know everybody and he knows everything that's going on. So when I go down there, I find the mayor and I tell him, hey, I have showing the building. Can you please uh, help me out? And he goes, yeah, no problem. So he gets everybody away from the building. Wow, that's cool. But one time he's like, hey, when these things are done, actually, it's not the uh, Allied Crafts, it's Catalina. So uh, he goes, when these things are done, can I move into one? I'm like, sure. You got you got money. He goes, yeah. He pulled out a he pulled out a roll of cash <laughs> that was more impressive than the I can. The mayor. They have, like, they have more resources than you know, actually. Yeah. It's no, surprising. He, he had ten grand. Yeah. Ten thousand dollars. Wow. And then so he runs basically a corner convenience store. I see. He sells beer, wine coolers, Gatorade, and then at night and during the afternoon, he cooks things and sells them. I'm like, what's on what's on tap for today? He's like, chicken. I got chicken wings. Wow. So he sells chicken wings to the other homes. So people. William, explain. So you you're commercial real estate broker and Correct. and Catalina is downtown LA. Correct. In Skid Row, as they define it. And Skid Row, I mean, everyone knows what Skid Row is, right? Like, oh, I don't think so. Let's talk about what Skid Row is, Rachel. So it's a defined 50-block radius in downtown L.A., which is actually terrible. And in fact— It's mostly a long straight line, though, right? No, it's a square. Okay. And so what they've done is they—and they, and they basically have historically said that if you're in this area, we're not really going to enforce a lot of homeless, you know, or vagrant issues or whatever. They just don't. And it's been that way for how many years? 50 years? Uh, for, no, no, no. Since the 20s. It's been there forever and ever. But the problem is, is that it moves around. And with with the way the real estate values have gone, it's it's changed. So it used to be like, you know, fourth and spring, something like that. That yeah. would be about the, the center of it. Now it's not. Now it's kind of moved 
down closer yeah, to Yeah, because the... lawlessness doesn't stay in a box, it turns out. Right. And right. But, <clears throat> but interestingly, if you use a Google map and in on that area, it'll say Skid Row. No, it's in there. It's it's the real thing that's so, happening. No, but the interesting part is, is that I've tried to get them to remove it because it's absolutely damaging to businesses in that area. Of course. Or I'm, not, real I'm not going to Skid Row. Right. All right. So, so William works in commercial real estate. Right. There is a place called Skid Row. It has people that are homeless and it has for a hundred years, yeah. sounds like. Yeah. And uh, no, and the first time I saw it, so I, I took Josh downtown to get fabric for his Eagle Scout project. And we accidentally ran into Skid Row. And it's like it is uh I mean, I don't I don't think you can overstate how like stunning it is and how inhumane it is because literally there's like tents in the street like you can't yeah. you can bar- it looks like a refugee a camp it looks like a refugee camp it's yeah. stunning it's inhumane it's like you 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 can't believe that it exists in a first world country right like it's yep. just and it's generation upon generation so these people have lived like that there for for a really long time i i don't know if it, they're and- generational like, I, I mean, according to the LA Times, they are. I mean, I don't know. I yeah, don't they, know have like an, they have like an organized government. They actually have a guy that they've been calling the mayor. They have a mural on the bottom. But I, mean, I, I think that, that people live there generationally. Like, I, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I, I don't think so. Like the ones I have, um, I have contact with. And again, this is a little bit anecdotal. They're coming from somewhere and they end up there. And I'll talk to them. I'm like, a lot of them had like regular, normal jobs and substance abuse of just kind of devolved them. Like, I just read a story about a a woman who was born there. She went to foster care and she's back there. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't know. I, I don't know how you would track, but basically, there's, there's multi generational poverty that happens and systems that don't support. Yeah, this is I, not, I have this theory about why, about why it's worse than the West Coast. My working theory is this. So there are lots of places where nature is trying to kill you. You can't just go set up downtown and live in a tent in lots of places. But in L.A., straight up, <clears throat> the weather's good almost all the time. And you're not going to freeze to death in L.A. It's almost, true. almost ever. It's you true. know what I mean? And so I feel like that, that, that's, why it's, that's why it started worse on the, uh, on the West Coast. Well, I say it started because not- now it's drifting across America. Well, it's not, I mean, I lived in New York City and there was tons of homelessness in the 80s and they had, uh, you know, they would live on the subway grates because the, the hot air from the tunnels would come up. Okay. Or they would live in other things and, you know, but they, they had it in the cold weather. There just weren't as many of them because they had to go into shelters. They have to go into shelter, right? And down in, in Los Angeles, another interesting problem, especially in Skid Row, is they have what they call a shelter resistant homeless where they can't have a roof over their head. They have a psychological aversion to it. Or some kind of huh. reaction to it. So although in that's like me and hiking, <laughs> <laughs> I can't have dirt under feet. Okay, tantrum. <laughs> uh, but uh, they're they're uh, yeah. So they have a problem. So now they're actually starting. They're starting to create open air areas where they can go, which makes a lot more sense. Where it's really is a refugee camp. But it it's it's a weird experience. It's like a you huge. Have, there are a ton of issues that. Well, I think what you're both what you're both saying that sounds weird is that we assume when we think of uh, homelessness, we're thinking of things that don't have systems. But it sounds like there's actually very clear systems in, in downtown LA, and they've been there for a hundred years. And and what's weird is that we just don't understand them. Like oh, why do you why do you well, get okay, to wander so, across the street and put a so tent there? So having had this experience, I mean, like a brief experience with Skid Row, and then when I drive into Encino, so I, William and I work in Encino. I drive into work, and constantly you see these 
tents, these like tarps that people. Do you set ever go up. down Burbank? All the time. Yeah. I go every morning, and I'm like, what the heck's happening here? Like people literally live on the side of the road. You can almost like touch their their dwellings when you go into work. And I'm con- so so every day almost I see people living there, and I just think this is totally inhumane. So I think about it almost every day. Like what is what why. Why? Why are the people... Which I think led you to something. Which is what led me to volunteering at our homeless shelter here in Santa Clarita. Cause I'm, just because I'm like, what? how can this be happening here in L.A. where we're so wealthy and we have so much money? Like, why are there so many homeless people? What is it that... We, can we do anything about it? Is there anything to be done? Right. So that's why, that's why I started volunteering. And Tell us what you do. So once a week I go in and um, I teach this art class. And by the way, I wanted to go every other week because I'm busy enough that I'm like, really, I'd like to go every other week. But they get <laughs> they get really confused by every other week. Like, they just can't handle it. They're like, are you coming back? When are you coming back? Every other Thursday. And they can't do it. They just, it's like too much to be every other Thursday. Okay. It has to be every Thursday because otherwise they're like, no, are you coming? No, next, every other Thursday. No, it's too much. You have to go every Thursday. <laughs> All right. So you've been <laughs> so doing this for a while. Our class. But, okay. So, yeah, so I've been doing this now for two years. I started during COVID. I started when Lucas left. Tell us, tell us what it's like when you go there. and what, Yeah, tell us what it's like. So, um, in Santa Clarita, it's actually great because it is a little bit smaller. We're on the north end of L.A. County. Um, and our community is smaller, and it's a little more conservative. We're a lot – I think we've cracked down a lot more on um, Well, it's a different city. Issue. It's a different city. We're on the lot, north end of Los Angeles County, but we have a city – who, yeah, Santa Clarita yeah, City. I mean, I could tell you why the homeless can live in downtown LA. That's an interesting legal issue, but yeah, but our resources can plug into LA County in some ways. We are building. Resources. We are building a, a homeless shelter, right? There's, that's permanent. That yeah. will be. I think it's coming. I think it'll be done in like 2025. Yeah, but the county. So, but you, county, but you the interesting up. part is the county can share resources, right? But the city makes the loitering laws okay and and how they will enforce them right but not all of santa clarita is city property some of it is county property you it's know Stevenson Ranch. Ranch is, is yeah. partly so but so you're not going to find homelessness in Stevenson Ranch <laughs> there's some flex there's well there well, there is actually in the wash there is some right but they, they actually live there i know but they're policed by the same the same group and so they kind of get over but it is the, semi permanent there there is actually a homeless Community. Yeah, in the wash. I've been down there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. there it's it's a it's a weird thing. So it's so interesting legal matter, and then you go back to what you do. But sure. the interesting legal matter is it's a fourth amendment issue. Search and seizure? Yeah. You can't have your personal property searched and seized by the by the government. Yeah. And actually, we actually just saw that this this morning. Underneath our uh overpass, there is a shopping cart and a bag. Which has been there for like a week because I, I'm assuming someone who is not housed got arrested and you can't take their stuff. So, so it's the, been there for so like a week. In, L- in Los so Angeles, in Los Angeles, what will happen is they can't they they'll have an uh, either a health uh, provision in the ordinance or they'll have a, a new law that's basically aimed at the homelessness issue. The most powerful department in Los Angeles City uh, for homelessness you would think would be police department, but it's not. It's actually the health department. And they're the ones that will go down there and and they'll clean things up in a in a kind of a grid pattern. 
but they will not. So they will warn everybody. But it used to be that, okay, well, you can't camp here anymore or you can't do this. And so they'll move you out. The cops will pick you up and move you out. But what happened was, is that the guy that you said, there's like a, a pseudo government, a shadow government for yeah. the homelessness. And, the, and there is a guy that's actually called the mayor. Yeah. He's terrible. And he takes everything to court and sues them all the time. And what he does is he basically says, you can't do that. They're living on public streets. Therefore, this is their property and you can't seize someone else's property from public. Yeah. yeah so, and if we had a government that was worth anything, they would, they would, they would figure it out. But, so they, but they don't so, want, no so one wants to figure that out because th th that makes it look bad. It's well, like, so what will what happen do you, is hate every ordinance like, gets well, taken to the court and the court will then put a stay. And then the city's like, well, we tried. So you'll but have two do. weeks they of like awesomeness. Stuff. They take their stuff and then they put it in. A, I, I, as far as I understand, they put it in like a locker. Yeah, that's you what they do. It. That's what they do in the county. So, okay, okay, so Rachel, tell us yeah. what you do um, at mm. every week. So we do. So I bring um, projects, art projects, and <laughs> yeah. So you like they have a security guard, right? <laughs> <laughs> tell us about the security guard. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to think of how to like describe the program because it's it's really loose <clears throat> and it's really based on what the clients want to do. The clients of Bridge to Home. And let me just start by saying Bridge to Home I really like because it's a program that they try to house people first. So most people who can be housed in some other way get housed. So like if there's if there's any possible way for them to be in a hotel or be in an apartment or some other thing, they they get housed. And yeah. if there's no other options, they go to the shelter. And the shelter's not great. It's like at this point it's like portables basically like that you'd see in a like know, in a public school in a that, public school that needed, right? needed, needed the one over on right. the railroad, right? Um, you know, it is. during uh, COVID, it, like you may have seen the old one on railroad. It's a different place than it used to be, but basically, yeah, it's like a temporary location. Like I said, they're building. But I went to an Eagle mm. project there. I think once we made you benches, did. It's yeah. a different one than you've been to oh, okay. because they moved during COVID. So, but it's it. similar to the one that you've seen before. So, um, so it's not awesome, but they, but it's temporary, a temporary housing situation, and. Um, yeah, they so, are in these portables. They have like a little cubicle where they can stash their stuff, and then there's like a, a place where they can eat, and that's where I teach this art class. Art class. Yeah, um, you even had and an I'll art do like watercolor or like. Didn't you? All, didn't you just or... have like a, a art like display or whatever it was? What yeah, we it? did an art show. So art show. I started out doing like crafts and stuff to see if that's what they were interested in. It's a great. It's a nice way to like get their mind off just the grind of being homeless, homeless. basically. Because it's fair to say that that <clears throat> dominates most of their conversation. All they do, all they think about, all they, like, all they are is basically homeless. I mean, I mean, just think about it's what that identity. means. It's, it's, more, than, it's, it's more, more than a situation. It's, it's more than a situation. It's your identity. And, like, all you do all day is you meet with your caseworker and you're trying to find ways to not be in that mm. situation anymore. And yeah. so it's really, really, I mean, a lot of them are just trying to get the paperwork. Like, where's your birth certificate? Like, how do you get your driver's license? Like, yeah. And so many of these processes take like a long term day after day task yeah. oriented thing. And that's not something they're good at. Yeah. And, the, and, and it's not something that, you know, 
they don't have the resources and the wherewithal to get that stuff done. And so it's just, it's really, it's a difficult. So what do you. Um... So, so this is like a little break in that thing. And so kind of what I bring is a break, a break in, in that grind. And um, it depends on what the clients are interested in. And, and for whatever reason, last year we had this group of people who were interested in art. And so <laughs> we, <laughs> Did a lot of art, and then we ended up being able to do this art show, and we sold a bunch of art, which was really cool because the money got to go directly back to the clients. And it's not obviously like a ton of money. I think we, you know, some of them made 150, 200 bucks each, which is like, well, you great. Know, to each of us, we're like, oh yeah, you know. Oh, so wait, if their piece got sold, they went to them. Yeah, yeah. they made the money themselves. I can't tell if this is like a combination of like so terrible <laughs> that art existence would be this way or if it's like oh, no, oh, did that's you, you cool. didn't go i couldn't I that's there's some really there's some really nice pieces of art legitimately like oh that looks really good yeah but if you're like a yuppie guy right and you bought that thing you're like are you going to display it or are you just going to give them the money is that the it purpose? doesn't matter is it, it doesn't like, matter there's a lot no, of i understand there's a lot of cool both but it. i can see like these like super rich people like who had bought some art and then like they display it and then they show it to people and they're like yeah i bought these from some homeless people <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. i'm like well, <laughs> the, other, the, the other cool part of it is actually we did it with in in coordination with um the art, oh gosh, now I feel bad because they were so nice and generous. They like how they they the, showed it for the us. The place where we, the place where we had it. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have yeah, art classes. I can look it up. They show they have art classes for um, kids, and so they actually displayed it for us, which was really great. So we like partnered with this. Um, so are you gonna do it again? They want us to do it again, but oh, we but have that, kind of been a, a different year, group. Almost. Yeah, but we have like a different group of clients now and they're not as good they're not as interested in art they're you know so i don't know we'll see if we can pull it clients <laughs> they're clients of rich home this is what we call them you know this is what we call them so it's a different set of so, so what's the what's problem gonna... that we're having this year so last year okay. they were a little bit more focused and a little bit less um this year we have the clients are a little bit more uh we have a lot more substance abuse problems, basically, is what it comes down to this year. Last year, they were a little bit... A little bit more dialed in. A little more dialed in. And there was, well, and there was, a, trained, there was a trained artist, and there was another guy I who... Do, I still have a trained artist. She's about to get housed, I think. Okay. And so that's actually a big part of the issue for me, is that I'm like, I don't think we're going to have her. And then I have, I have another... I had another client who was super... Who was producing a lot of art, and he's not there anymore, and that's... That's a big part of it. And then I have a, anyway, yeah. So we just have a different population. Well, and, so well, you have a different population you're working with in, in, in the, in the, uh, you know, group of, of homelessness, you're working with one of the more hopeful groups. So they're looking to, to better themselves in some way or the other, despite their themselves. That's actually, that's not been so? my experience no, because most of the, I mean, cause bridge to home is, is a, it, like, it's the SCAA art gallery. Uh, no, it's the. That's they're actually housed in the same place, but it's a different one. Right. Um, because like if you go down to Skid no, Row, it's a different group. If they're in group. a good shape, if they're in good shape, they're already housed. Bridge Home is the ones who are in the shelter now are like still well, working to find. Part of the reason I say housed. that is because there's about seventy thousand homeless people in yeah, Los no, Angeles. No, true, true. If they're if they're and in Skid Santa Row, Clarita, they're they're yeah, already they're already ahead. a step ahead, yeah, right? Because right. if you're downtown LA, you're not looking for anything other than money. So my experience with the people at Bridge to Home, and I hope I'm not like revealing too much, but like 80% of the people that 
are there are have substance abuse issues and like they don't even come to other art classes. Right. Twenty percent I might see, but and ten percent of those are still not fully engaged. You know, they're like sort of like interested right. in art. So, so but you've been noodling this issue for a while now because you're you've been interested in being in, in helping other people. You've been interested in using your own talents to help people. You've used those talents to help other people. And you've had lots of interaction with these this group. So my question to you is, what uh, do you have a solution for homelessness? Do you think that works? Because you said something yes. in the beginning that well, I actually this have. This is what I think. Okay. Well, here. let me tell you what I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with. Being a first world and money. I do not think money is the issue. I do. I'll tell you why. This is what I think. So I think there is no cure for homelessness as far as like, basically, I think there's always going to be this population who is. Why is it growing? Has, has, I think there's always going to be a population who has mental illness, substance abuse um, issues, period. Right. Like you're always going to have that. And I think it's inhumane to just say, we are not going to address that. And you're, you can just live on the street. Like that's just inhumane. You're not allowed to live on the street, period. You just, I, I don't think that's acceptable. I think that you, if you see someone living on the street, we have to go to them and say, listen, but the homeless you can't live on the street. The homeless rights advocate would say they have a right to live on the street. Okay. And I just, yeah. you, well, I just say no, guys, I just say absolutely they're helpless. no. <laughs> yeah. But that they're the ones advocating. They're no, the ones trying. For I think this, right? I, I believe in lawfare. I want to. I want to do the same thing. Okay. That, I want to do the I'm same thing to them that they do to the environmental groups. I want them to be like, "Cool, you can practice that kind of law." The the only place zone for that kind of law is in Mojave. Good luck. Go to Mojave. Yeah, but and the just, problem just is, is like, that they, yeah, they've won, you can't practice that law here. They've won in the courts, the liberal no. courts that that are giving them the ability to live on the streets in LA. It is not acceptable. I know. It's not acceptable. I agree with you. Lawfare. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm telling Lawfare. you that right no, now no, we it's have not, to reverse that. That has to be reversed. You cannot. It's not it's acceptable. It's a constitutional issue. It, it's not acceptable for a dog to live on the streets. Like when you take this, the dog a to dog, a shelter. A dog, a normal person, are William. Person are William. It's not acceptable. It's just not acceptable to let because okay. So I'll give you another example. Remember when? Um, Wait, do we drift? I want to hear your solution. Okay, your, your my, well, no, this is the solution. So I actually was reading up on this because I just was seeing that there there is a solution, and the solution is housing. And it's not housing first. It's not giving them housing. It's that housing is expensive. And I'll give you the example. West Coast cities like L.A., San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, where it's expensive, have super high homelessness. Guess who has lower homelessness? Chicago. Um, Detroit, West Virginia, Arkansas. Guess why? Because housing is cheaper. It's that simple. It's that simple. It's just because if housing is expensive, homelessness is high. If housing is cheaper, homelessness is low. And it's just, it's like, it's not that, it's just so not the, that complicated. So I, I always make the joke, you, you can't repeal the law of supply and demand. In right? Chicago, it, Chicago so has one-fifth of the homelessness of San Francisco. Chicago, they both have Democratic mayors. But that's not that. Well, you go back to weather. No, I mean, it's not weather. It it's is not weather. weather. It it's is, not it weather. It is weather. Because the other thing is they say, oh, people just move to where the weather's good. That's San Francisco weather is garbage. Have you been to San Francisco in the summer? It is the worst. I agree it's with so that. Cold. Actually, I agree it's with you. Awful. Yes. What was it that uh, was it? All right. Mark so, Wayne, so the first blah, 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 thing we do is increase awful. supply. You increase supply. And, and, that, and, therefore, and that reduces the cost of housing. What kind of housing? What kind of housing? And how do you do Doesn't that? Doesn't matter. I'll, I'll Any tell kind you of housing. How. No, I'll you tell you how. Who's doing it? 
There's literally I'll you tell just you have how. to liberalize building construction laws. No, like and the you know what else you do? I don't disagree with William, that. You know what else you do? You crack down on freaking uh, corruption in L.A. because you know L.A. is corrupt when it comes to building uh, zoning. Zoning, like our L.A. City Council is corrupt. You know, I it don't is. disagree with any of that. I work with all of that all the time. I definitely agree with the idea that if you if you liberalize, you convert <sighs> you convert um, lower income hotels. To housing and but, oh, wait, but those lower income hotels are owned by somebody. But that's exactly what we did during COVID. And there's money; they found the and money those, to do it. By the way, I have a client who was approached by them, and and they and at the end of the day, it doesn't it did didn't work because they did house it, but it, they destroyed the property. So the property owner took. I it. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Randy just in paused San, by the in way San and Diego. told us to cool it. <laughs> I, I did. I paused and told him to cool it. Like, Listen. There's a reason James Carville's no longer on television, guys. <laughs> in San Diego, nonprofits and local government agencies um, purchased two extended stay hotels. And they made, they provided homes for 400 people. I'm okay with that. They provide a home. And they, this is what we do. I mean, I think this is the But I'm okay that with make. that. But think about what that is. It's a private, it's a private company, right? Or private organization. No, the city of San Diego did it. But they gave money to the private organization, right? By the way, there's a thing called uh, uh, SRO downtown LA. They do the same thing. They spend millions and millions, if not billions of dollars to do that same thing. The problem becomes, uh, uh, by the way, I, okay, so you do that. So here's an interesting problem that you, you, you say, sh should people live on the streets? I agree with you, they shouldn't live on the streets. The question is, we have to come up with a legal argument to get them off the streets. Now, there have been situations where the, the health department will go in there and say that this is a public health issue, it and is. those are court- Hepatitis court. B. Yeah, and, and it has. By the way, there was a huge hepatitis B outbreak in Orange County. In and San so Diego, too. To, and they had to d dismantle uh, all of the homelessness, and it was very interesting. Now, here's the question, right? So back in the day, I don't understand why homeless— I don't think that just the price of housing is causing homelessness You're to go wrong. up. You're wrong. It is. I could be wrong. I could not be wrong, but th I know that it's a talking point. But I think that there's another par par part to this that we're really not talking about. That is— there used to be mental institutions run by the state, which have been basically deemed non-constitutional and deregulated or de what's that called? De Regulated? Deregulated by Ronald Reagan, and it basically closed them all. Now, yeah. here's Look. the problem. There is a huge amount of, and regardless of what you say, uh, anyone out there, if you're a homeless advocate, listen. The truth is, is that most people have substance abuse or mental illness or substance abuse cause mental illness. And so there needs to be places where they can go. I just disagree with you because, because. Why would you disagree with that? Because. That is, that is the most agreeable statement in the history this of This is why. Because in Chicago, there's one-fifth the homelessness of San Francisco. And so... Do you think that there's not mental illness no, in Chicago? Well, so now we're do you think do, that now there's we're, not mental gonna, illness in San Francisco? Now we're going to talk you about Randy's issue. You can be mentally issue. ill. You can be mentally no. ill and still be housed. Now we're going to talk a, about what Randy tiny, thinks. Crappy, Randy knows and listen, everyone knows the culture is what causes homelessness. And the culture of San Francisco is garbage. And that's why there's so a big... So is Chicago. No, it's not. Yes, it it's is. It's not the same. It is Chicago worse. is garbage. Are no, you Chicago is not as bad as San Francisco that when it comes baloney. to a horrible culture. That's baloney. Chicago is just as garbage Tell, as San what Francisco. Is a street, what is a street in Chicago that is known for being the epicenter of hippie drugs? Are you drugs? kidding? Oh, Chicago no. They only have one junk. of those in San Francisco. 
that is your that's baloney. Chicago uh, Chicago definitely is a corrupt uh, uh, known for corruption. This is my culture thing. is the source but, but of all the, the, it, it does have a better culture. It, what I mean by that is is that there's still like uh there's a nucleus family. There's no. the idea of a nucleus family. The 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 crazy ideas of of like what is freedom and I mean San Francisco's hit, you know homelessness started with hippiness well i mean before that but the hippies really made it popular there so san francisco has its own issues and i and there there can be a myriad of reasons why chicago could be lower and there could be but it's not just one right can we agree on that it's not just one it's not just housing it's not just well for instance when Giuliani was, when I lived in New York City, homelessness was out of control. Giuliani became the mayor. He decided he was going to change everything. So he went in and he started making laws that you couldn't live on the streets. And so then the homeless advocates took it to court. They got the similar rulings about the Fourth Amendment and et cetera and forth, allowing them to continue to live on the streets. But I don't know if you know this, but legally they're allowed to stay on the streets, I think from 9 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. or 7 a.m. or something like that. Uh, they're allowed to use the public streets for for sleeping. So Giuliani says, no, 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 we're not going to do this. It's not humane. So he gets fought in the courts. The compromise, which was interesting, was there's a database. And the database says that as long as there are shelter beds available, then they can remove them. But if for some reason the database says that they're full, you can't remove them. So because of that... There's some issues. So it is a multi-layered, complicated problem. And I don't think it's as simple as we just need to make affordable housing. I, I think full, that's part I of it. I disagree. I fully disagree. And I think when you start talking about homelessness and you say it's too complicated to solve, that's when you... This is the, okay, this is, no, no, this no, is no, one no, of the no, founding no, ideas no. that I think we have to talk about. And, and it's this. Some people in the room think that we can fix homelessness, and some people in the room think that it's that it's unfixable. And I think you're both right. I think that it's true that if there is a collective will to address this problem, it's 100% fixable, and history has shown that. And and it's quite possible that there is not a collective will in California to fix this problem. So, what's one of the most interesting things you've encountered while you're teaching art at the homeless shelter? Okay. Actually, Wait, so Randy, you did say something really something. interesting when we started when we started talking about it, which is is there is there a culture problem or is there a cultural like uh underpinning underpinning of homelessness? And I do actually think there is. And that has been the most interesting thing of teaching art, which is <clears throat> there is I think there is something bigger than both um than all of these things which helps reinforce or cause or <clears throat> I don't want to say cause homelessness, but well, look, there's a cultural underpinning. Culture culture causes problems and solves problems. Yeah, Keep going. And that's been, but that's been the most interesting thing what, <clears throat> of are, teaching of you? teaching art. And it's not it's not in teaching art, but it's in talking to people while I'm teaching art. Which is, as everyone knows, when you start talking to people when you're working on a project together, yeah, they'll re they'll reveal things to you, and it's really really fascinating. So when we're working on these projects, we start when we start working on these projects, they always start talking to me about their life story, um, and how they got to where they are, and <clears throat> it's actually a really beautiful thing because they want me to witness kind of the story of their lives, and it's really nice. And um, what they usually reveal to me is kind of a sad thing, which is that they feel like they don't uh, belong to the broader culture. So <clears throat> one of my friends there 
comes came from the Bahamas and he's like and he doesn't want to go back because he feels like he has um he has more opportunity here in America and you know I'm like why why wouldn't you just go back to the Bahamas where you you know where your family is and he's like no no this is where I want to be but he doesn't feel like he could ever belong here you know like he doesn't fit yeah and then same thing with another one of my friends there <clears throat> she's uh she's Native American and she's like yeah I don't it comes up all the time. Like she's, she's like, yeah, my people, they're nomadic. I'm like, I don't fit here. I don't fit here. And she's, she's many generations, like Americanized. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. She's but not she, like it's not like she just no, no, no. English but it comes up week. all the time. It comes up right. all the time. Um, and then same thing with like a lot of the, a lot of those who are experiencing homelessness who are, um, dealing with substance abuse. They. I think that they're dealing with substance abuse because they don't feel like they fit into society. And so like that, they, they do drugs to try and fit in, you know, to deal with that. So I, I think that that is the cultural thing. That that's why, that's a big part of why, like on a psychic level or whatever, they don't, they just don't fit. In, you you, in the you mentioned earlier that, <clears throat> that they, that they, that being homeless is a, is, has become their identity. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something that that can and should be addressed when in in working with to to resolve this problem? Well, look, I mean, I think that's part of what's so important about going there as a person who's not homeless. Um and because they don't they don't know how to interact with me. It's really weird. Like it takes a while for them to warm up to me. So like the people that I'm friends with there, it's been like five at least five or six times that I go before, like, first they'll sort of come talk to me, and then after a while they'll, like, we're friends, right? But it takes a while. And um, it's hard. It's hard for – I think basically there needs to be a lot more overlap between people who are at the shelter and people who are not at the shelter. And there's a lot of – like, even when – they they feel like there's a lot of us versus them. Do you know what I mean? Like, so even when they're at the store, they're like, "Oh yeah, I go to Starbucks," and she, one of one of the one of my friends will be like, "Oh yeah, I see like people from the shelter," and I'm like, "You can't be like they'll see other people from the shelter, and they'll get mad at their shelter friends because they're misbehaving at Starbucks." You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, and like, like that's a represent. For yes, the tribe or something like yes. That. But like, I'm like, no, like no one knows you're homeless. She's like, no, they can smell it on me or something you know it's really weird like they feel other they feel other us versus them like it's like this whole thing and i i don't know i i really feel like that's part of it i have like, this theory of, of, and, and to me i'm like i don't i mean there's some people well, obviously i'm like yeah you're homeless like i can see you're homeless like you're right. dressed like you're homeless and you act you know you're you're on this on the corner like asking for money yeah you're homeless but like other than that, like if you're if you're walking into Walmart, like I don't know if you're homeless, you know what no. I'm saying? But like, yeah, from time to time <clears> we'll <throat> see some of your friends at the store, and you're like, oh, that's my right, friend from the right, shelter. exactly. But yeah. like, but no, but if you're just if you're just, I wouldn't know if you're anyway. But they feel very othered. What's one of the most? And I, and I think that's really hard. And I think that if you if as a homeless person, I don't know if you ever get past that. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't know. I think if you've been homeless, I don't know if you ever feel like you. I think that's something you always carry with you. I don't know. And I think that's a really difficult thing. Hmm. What's one of the most beautiful experiences you've had in doing this? You know, it's surprising how often um, God comes up 
And I don't know if that's because like, I don't swear. <laughs> and that's a big deal at the shelter because everyone always swears all the time. Yeah. And so they try hard not to swear with me. So then I think that maybe they know that I have faith, have, have some faith. So they talk to me about faith all the time. So, I mean, like, I don't know if that's the trigger for them, right? but they talk to me about faith a lot. So we talk about God a lot at the shelter. Remember, I, don't, I don't know if wait, that's the trigger. What did that, remember that guy when you told them where you were from? Oh, yeah. No, this guy. <laughs> this guy was like, where'd you grow up? And I told him, I don't know. I grew up in lots of weird places. You know, New York and Miami and Sweden and whatever. And he's like, oh, I thought you I thought you came by way of o- Oklahoma, by way of Utah or something. And I was like. <laughs> Rachel didn't tell him. She didn't cop to it. She's like, no, I'm I didn't, from New York. Well, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him by way of Utah. I should have told him Utah. I didn't want him to. That's all right. I don't claim Utah either. (laughs) Well, I don't claim Utah because I don't want him to automatically go, oh, you're Mormon. I don't know. I don't want him to have to worry about it because I don't want him to have to worry that I'm immediately going to be like, join my faith. So you see, the subject of God comes up sometimes. All the time. It comes up all the time. And um, do they, are they, you find them to be agnostic? um, No. Almost all the time they believe in in God. Some, yesterday, Thursday. Do you, do you think that's like a, a factor of like uh, there's no there's no atheists in foxholes? They're just in yes, a foxhole. Yeah, I do. I, actually, I absolutely. I believe that. Sure. Thursday, when I was there on Thursday, the guy there was this guy. He had a drawing of someone did a drawing of him, and I helped him color it. Kevin is actually I can't tell the name. Sorry, maybe you have to edit that out. Okay. Anyway, this guy, I took a drawing Kevin's of him and I colored it in. <laughs> And he, um, so he loves it. So he came to talk to me and his, and he was like, he told me about my name because my name is Rachel. And he's, so he's like Rachel and Leah. And he, like, we were talking all about the Bible and he, and then we were talking about, he was explaining to me how Genesis one and John one are related. And we were, and he was talking about his favorite pastor and like, he's all into it. But, but every, but every one of, I mean, I can't, I've had dozens of experiences where they're like, yeah, God's important to me. I believe in God. And. God will help me through this, and it's a huge part of it. We so, testify of God all the time. All right, so now I've got now I've got questions for you about about art. Uh, but before we move on, um, any 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 additional comments or thoughts? No. Okay, good. Um, so, <laughs> by the way, just so you know, Rachel nope. and I argue kind of like siblings, and then we always get to a point where you know, I don't Rachel's feel like, bad about this at all. Do I don't either. Randy's the one that's uh, uncomfortable. Like, you, this is our normal agitated? conversation. I'm sorry. <laughs> Randy's like, this is what it's like. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is how we talk about. We'll get okay. about and homelessness. Then, okay, well, here's, well, here's what I know that you that the listeners don't know is I know that both William and Rachel absolutely changed the way they talk about things for each other. That Rachel is way more strident with you because because you're talking and yeah. you're way more strident with her because she's talking. And that's why I'm like, I'm not it's a double here. down effect. It's a hundred percent a vicious cycle. She doubles down, I double down. Exactly. That is Rachel, actually true. Rachel feels about fifty percent as strident about well, all the things that she's saying. Well, that's because I walk around as a salesman with no, complete confidence in everything no, I say. No, and Rachel works with all garbage. salesmen all day, and so 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 she has this. She puts on a suit of armor when she walks into work with like I, like the BS detector. Right. And and she's not gonna she's not gonna ha- like, yeah. I don't think I don't I'm ever as tough you know, as when I walk into work with you. Guys. You know what my you my wife. Bring it, bring you know what it. my wife. Of, I think my maybe driving effect, the four hundred five. But yeah, my wife's yeah, effect on uh on like my confidence level right is always just roll her eyes. She just rolls her eyes. Like, yeah, you're just full of. Oh, I feel like it's a smarter way. Rachel somehow yeah. still thinks she's gonna triumph on this conversation. Like, <laughs> That's hilarious. Um. So, all right, Rachel. Rachel is graphic designer and uh, uh and an art aficionado. Rachel, what is your favorite font? 
Oh my gosh, that's like asking my favorite child. But no, I really like Montserrat. William, what's your favorite font? Gothic. Gotham, Gotham. Gotham, I know. Yes. Gotham? I know. So I know your favorite it. font. I know your favorite font. Rachel knows his favorite font. Rachel, by the way, just so you know, Rachel and I, of all the people at work, we collaborate probably the best. Like our products, sure. when we when we work true. together, come back better yeah, than no, everybody else. I, I believe it. I agree. So one of the things that has blown me away in uh, getting to know Rachel is, and I've since observed it in others, is as it turns out, some people, whenever there are words anywhere, absorb all the words. They see all the words. I can't even imagine how exhausting it would be if I went through life that way. Like, I don't even know what you just said. I, right? Like when I'm I didn't like, absorb all your words. <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you talking about? When we're driving down the street and there are signs that you drive by, do you notice or read the signs? Every single one. I do not notice or read any signs. Oh, no. I do every <laughs> single one and I analyze every single one and half of them. And by the way, I don't know what it is about Utah, but there is a kabil- there is so many billboards. And I'm like, oh, that's a good one. And that's good- bad zoning. That one is it's terrible. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Rachel, oh, Rachel sees words like like just sees them and absorbs them. I don't mean reads them. I mean, absorbs them and in a way that I don't even understand. And then also uh, colors and shapes. So tell me about uh, when did you. Have you accepted that you see colors and shapes different than other people? Only because of the way you do it. Because, like, when I remember the way I, I get around, like, um, you know, streets or whatever, yes. I'm like, oh, yeah, the blue building. Oh, yeah, the red building. And then you go this way or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's different. Like, I don't do street si- street names. Yeah. I do it by, like, shapes. Shapes and, shapes and colors, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I had someone, so we're I, saying I, had someone this, like, I played basketball with uh, when I was younger. He says, you, he goes, you're so weird to play with. I'm like, why? He's like, because you just make shapes on the ground. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Yeah, it's different. He's like, it's like you're making no, a like, shape. Okay, I just so, got to know what shape you're making, and then I know where you'll be. <laughs> like, related. I actually actually know where, and this has actually kind of been messed up since we've gone to digital devices, but I actually know where scriptures are in the scriptures by location and orientation on the page. I'm like, I, I'm oh, the it's, same way. it's kind of at this part of the book. It's kind of in the upper yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, upper right. Yeah. And it's kind of a few chapters in. Yep. And then I go and I can find stuff that way. Yep. Rachel's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's it's kind of the shape. Like yep. I actually think of the shape. Uh, I'm uh, with you there. Location. I'm with you there. And, actually, the, and digital scriptures have messed me up, but I've gotten bad. to a yeah. point now because I'm teaching. doesn't help that the app doesn't search for crap. Met <laughs> <laughs> like, that one it's mark like, that's in the top right hand. It's like, like yeah. search faith. Like there's 9 million entries. Good luck. Yeah, oh my God. Luck. No, I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten a lot better with the digital because I, I've learned how to market in a way that my eyes can catch oh, okay. it again. Not me. All right. So Rachel, tell me, tell me about when you start. I think we were married for many years and you still had admitted that you, that you have, that you see, that you see shapes and colors as a designer would. Do you think of yourself as a designer? Let me start there. I do now. And I, but it took a long time because I didn't, I mean, I was trained in communications and English. Yeah. I thought, I always grew up thinking of myself as a reader. Yes. And I didn't understand, like what you said about reading actually is true for me, which is like, like when I read, I read really fast, which I didn't admit yeah. to myself until later in life. I don't even think that you call it the same thing as what I do. No, I like I, I look I at the words and like like sound it out like phonics and, yeah, no, and I, I read slow as crap. Wait, which is and Rachel kind of looks at it. I know I know it's really interesting. Just because um, I like to talk. No, because I, I grew like up thinking of myself as a reader, <laughs> um, but I always should have been an artist, probably. Right. Okay. So when did you start thinking of yourself as a designer? But then I always I always really loved art because um, my dad was like an artist. Tell me about that. Lover. What's, what's some of the most interesting experiences you've had with art? 
Um, <clears throat> you know, when I was younger, uh, we, you know, we lived in Norway and Sweden. Yeah. And so we, it, their design is super clean and minimal. And like, we used to go see like, do you know Munk? The artist Munk, Edvard Munk? Yes. With the scream and stuff? Yeah. So I remember seeing that when I was really little. And that, is that, he Norwegian? Yeah. I don't know. That. Munk. That makes sense. And, I would um, scream if right? I was there too. Right? <laughs> you know it's I mean? so cold. <laughs> it is so cold. So that um, that affected me a lot. And then also when I was in my 20s, Becky and I went to Europe, you know? Yeah. And all the stuff I wanted to see was all art. Like that was the top of my list. And did it, did it deliver? Are you happy? It totally delivered. Like that was really important. And so art has always been like the top of my list of things to see and do. Okay. Which like that should be a hint, right? Like that's I think the most that, important part of my life. That's a hint. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that should be. So, I don't, what's your question? Art's a funny thing because I, I did you, I told you about my liberating art experience, right? So, yes, you, so you told us in the podcast. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so a few years ago, went to a museum, spent like one whole day in the Met, and basically was, I was like torture. It was the worst. And then, so the problem was, the problem was, is that I was, it's so big. I mean, the Met is so big. I think it's like um, 2 million square feet of stuff, right? I mean, it's unbelievable and you can't see everything. And I just went to where somebody, like one of the workers said, oh, this is the place everybody goes. So we were in like the Egyptian part of the museum and they even have like a full on pyramid in the middle and like life size in inner of the pyramid. So I'm like, this is the worst. And then my daughter wanted to go back. And I'm like, oh, I cannot spend another day in that place. It's the worst. And she's like, well, let's call our friend who's got a master's degree in art and loves the Met. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. You did it all wrong. Here's the pieces you got to see. And then she said something that like changed everything. She goes, you don't have to look at everything. Just look at what you like. That's right. And then, then it just made this like, she, uh, so she gave us like five things to look at. One of them's like Washington crossing the Delaware. Have you seen that? Yeah. Picture. Have you seen it real life? No. No. Oh dude. I don't think I've ever done New York actually. Oh dude. I'm like, it is humongous. Yeah. Like, I just expected a little painting and that everybody, yeah, yeah. no, it is like an entire, it's like 17 feet tall or something like, or wide. Wow. I can't okay. It's humongous. So it's like a presence when you walk into the room and it is awe-inspiring. It's so cool. So she go, let's start there. That's the, that's the center of the mat. Da, 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 go there. And then she's like, okay. And then when you go, oh, I think go you're bearing the lead. The cool part was, the cool part was, look that at, liberated look me at was, what you like. look at what yeah. you like. Just yeah. walk by it. If it doesn't sing to you yeah. and art is supposed to sing to you. It doesn't have to sing to everybody. Right. And it's not all art sings to the same people. Right. And so that kind of liberated me like, oh, I'm not uncultured because I don't like that piece. I'm cultured because I like pieces. No, and that there was definitely go. true in Europe too, where we like enjoying the the pieces that you love. Like I spent a day in the, in the Louvre, but like you don't have to go right. see everything. Like the, right. the goal is not is not right. volume or it's not, it's not quantity. It's right. like... But if you're at the Louvre, what do you love? Like if I were to do the Louvre, I would do it kind of on that same way. Okay, go see the Mona Lisa. Once you've seen it, now go look at stuff that you like. Here's a couple pieces lots of people like. And then and then I there's something to me, I don't know what it is, but the I feel like something about the environment of museums is kind of sacred. And I know like I don't wanna step on any toes, but something about being among those pieces where they're so it's just dripping with creativity and, and culture and 
just I like that. It's I just like being there. I Do you feel like the like, Getty? I love the Getty. Really? I love it. I don't like it. Oh, I love it because I love the architecture. Are you talking about the the one the, on the hill, the not on the, the one hill, down, yeah, not the villa? Yeah, the villa, the villa I heard's the, better. I, I, you don't like I, the villa? I doubt. I doubt it could be, but <laughs> I love I just, the one on the hill because I love the I love the architecture of the. Yeah, I love the architecture, I love the architecture but no, I have not been to an art exhibit they there. Don't they don't have the best. They don't have the best art at the Getty. The there's lilies up there. The Van Gogh lilies are up there. How can you not love that? I haven't seen it. <laughs> Never They're heard of it. They're no, up I've, there. I've seen the, I've I'm seen kidding. the, I've seen the, I mean, I've seen hey, Rachel, like copies. The thing I love most, actually, just let me just put a plug in for kind of what you said about George Washington is, I, the thing that I finally discovered about myself, I don't know, in the last five years is I love huge art. Like art that it takes is up special. Like Monet's lily. Like there's somewhere they take up the whole room. I'm just like, that's, I mean, if that, if Have I could live that in Van that, Gogh that's what Museum, I would uh, That Van Gogh exhibit where they're like actually. I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. I'd like to go see that. But just art that is. Do you know what art big, I really, 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 love really love? Street art. It's oh, fun, right? I love yeah. the murals downtown LA. I mean, there's yeah. whole buildings with yeah. the craziest, weirdest stuff on it. I, I think, love I it. I think everybody does. My mom, when I was visiting a home in San Diego last week, there's the downtown library has this big, beautiful mural on the library. She's like, you got to go see it. And we just drove by to look at it. I had to, so I tried why, to. Why do people love that? I mean, I, I think I there's think, something about I, I, big I have a theory. I, I think public that, art, it's just great. Look, I think post, I don't know, post 1960, I think US architecture took a turn for the worst. In, in the, Post, it, not, it, it's, it, it's very industrial. It, it just became very industrial and very, very <clears throat> use based. Edge, very yeah. use based. There's not you don't see pillars and columns and swoops and uh, oh, you're and stuff. asking, you're starting to ask. Big and so questions, I, I so I, I think like cities you, are but. are by definition, especially L.A., especially North L.A., is so drab. Like if you drive around the streets, it's you just like, everything's a Quonset hut. Everything's a tiny house. Everything's there's nothing that you look at that's just beautiful. So when you start putting murals into this really boring environment. I think it pops. I think it's like that. Do you remember that do, do you remember that one project okay. we did where we actually put murals on the side digitally? Do you remember that? It was the it was the Catalina. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and yes. I was trying to convince yes. the the uh the developer to put on because cat so the it's it's a historic building built yeah. uh, and it's a cool building with some cool architecture from the 20s. It was built by a really cool uh um, a developer and a really cool architect. They're both well-known for lots of cool stuff. And what I wanted them to do was like embrace this idea of the birth of this building. And so I used a lot of this like really old, uh, so Catalina swimwear was like, you know, California swimwear. It's like where it all came from. And I'm like, embrace it. So we actually put murals on the sides of the building that were boring. So in LA, they make the front side has a cool facade if it's on the street, right? And then the back sides are just kind of industrial brick. Okay. So I'm like, back side of this thing, let's put a couple of these m monster murals on there. So we we actually 50s like yeah. swimmer it, it was, was so awesome. cool. You did really it digitally. Cool. You did it. We did it digitally to try yeah. to convince the client. But the client ran out of money and couldn't couldn't do couldn't. all the cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Rachel. What are the uh what are the, what are your favorite artists? Who are your favorite artists? I really like Devin Gorn. Who? Demon um, Corn. Demon Corn. He's a California artist. Well, actually, I don't know if he's from California, but his best artwork was done when he was in California. So I love him. Okay. And um. Wait, how do you spell it? Because I gotta look. D i e. D i e n. 
Um, and I like Basquiat, but he's kind of having a moment, so I feel like I can't like him because everyone likes him right now. <laughs> it's too trendy. Okay. It's too cool. Wait, how? Wait, so you can't <clears throat> like stuff that other people like? No, I That's, mean, you can, but. You like Jackson Pollock just because it's a famous name? Um, you know, I think he was like kind of a rebel and a punk rocker at the time. Is that art? I mean, I shouldn't yeah. say that. Well, no, no sorry, I do. You sorry. know, I, think I don't want to get to the definition. You know what, of William? I think you would love to see an original Jackson Pollock because it's the whole room, right? It's the whole room. Well, so the it funny, takes the whole room. The funny so I think part. If you're in, in in the room with it, I think you would have loved it. Have you but, ever like, seen when that? You there's see it just junk. Like, there's a there's a that. there's a what do you call it? A documentary on the people that they thought that they found a Jackson Pollock for like ten dollars. Oh, and they've yeah? been trying forever to get it authenticated, and then the Jackson Pollock like. Uh, you know, a state is saying, no, we won't authenticate it, but they're trying to prove that it is right. So they, they, in this thing, they take this Jackson Pollock. And if you're not familiar with Jackson Pollock, it's, it looks like paint is thrown against, uh, you know, uh, that's his, that's his most that's famous his, stuff. That's thing, right. So, so he, <laughs> so they have these art critics that like, and they keep taking this thing to check and they, and they're filming them. Right. And some of them are like, yeah, definitely not. And the other ones like for sure are. <laughs> and like the ones like see the dots, in this upper left-hand corner, this is the kind of strokes that he had. And I'm like, kind of strokes? He's throwing paint against the spinner. <laughs> Rachel, who else do you like? Uh, um, you're asking me a really big question. I am. I'm asking a really big question. That's what we do. <laughs> we, we broadcast for our friends. Um, what era? Like, what? I'm... Who's That's actually better. Tell me no, some no, 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 no. Forget about the thing. What well, look, era here's, do you like? Here's what I think. I think. I, he, I really I think like, modern. like modern. I really I like abstract expressionism. I think you like abstract expressionism. I like like Rothko. Like I like everything. Everything. I, I like love modern minimalism. much more. And everyone goes and yeah. I like modern like minimalism. I really enjoy it. And some people are like, "What? Yeah, I, I love really it. Do. Especially in religious art. Do you have oh, artists yeah. that you like with? Right now, I'm kind of a big fan of Kate Lee. You know oh, yeah, who you she were is? telling me about that, yeah. And she's a watercolor artist that does religious art, but she 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 creates these shapes, right, that are, are forms of people. And but but it, it, there's so much expression to me in the shape, and there's nothing in the face. Yeah. And which I really like. She does have a couple pieces where she does put expression in the face, and I don't like it. I like it where it's just kind of this like this. I get to fill in the blank. You know yeah. what I mean? I get to fill yeah. in the face. Like w w religious art is is kind of interesting to me that way. And I and I find myself uh, okay. desiring my own religious expression inside of the art or yeah. my uh, the way to look what at are, it. Who are some artists that you guys think you're supposed to like, but you actually just don't like it? Well, I don't even know. A lot. Names. There's a lot of those for me. Yeah, yeah let's like, hear it. That's well, not good. I, what you just said is not good radio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm going to offend Who's someone, Who's the though? modest mouse? Okay, so guys, I had this rant that I, did, that I did on Facebook a long time ago, which was I was listening to Pandora <laughs> where you pick a band that you like and then they play a bunch of music. In that, and, and, oh, I remember this. And Modest Mouse keeps coming up. Now, I get it. I should like Modest Mouse. I know. You're mo you hate Modest Mouse. And, and I, I do. Hate, I, I hate, hate Modest Rolling Mouse. Stones. <laughs> and <gasps> Rolling Stones. And the Rolling Stones. What? So worst. who's the modest mouse, Rachel, of the art world? And why are you texting right now? I My kids are texting me. I have things to do, okay? We've got things going on. What's happening? I've got things going on during the podcast, okay? Who, who is the modest mouse of Max the art world? Max is killing somebody. <laughs> or if you want to even go hotter, who's just who just sucks? Like, it's one thing for me to say, I acknowledge that modest mouse is good. I just don't like it. It's another thing for me to say, modest mouse sucks. <laughs> is there an artist out there that everyone's like, oh, gosh. And you're just like, you know what? You're wrong. That's not good art. 
This I, I actually have a hard time with this because it's the same thing with the musicians. We've talked about this before. Yeah. We're like, like Warhol. I mean, I love Warhol, but then also he kind of is played out. Do you know what I'm saying? Where like I can see the genius that started he started with. Yeah. But then like really, how many soup cans do you need? I mean, like there's only you know the genius played out really fast. You Does know, Van Gogh you know? the same way? I mean, you can't say that about Van Gogh. Sure you can. You can say oh. it. I say it. No. A lot of I Van Gogh stuff well, is no, weird. No, the thing is, too, though, like, you see the same 10 Van Gogh pieces, and you're like, yeah, 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 I've seen it. But then if you if you dig around a little, there's some really gorgeous Van Gogh pieces that you've never seen, and they're really beautiful. I just feel like you've seen the same pieces over and over, and you're bored of them, but there's a lot of really beautiful Van Gogh pieces you've never seen. You know what I mean? Like, sure. So Rachel has a theory Abstract that I want to speak for you now that – when when a musician, um, when when you're listening to a musician that's famous and you kind of don't get it, you're like, I don't really get it. Usually, if you go back into their into their history, you'll find that there was at least one or two albums that were freaking genius. Yeah, well, yeah. so that's kind of like me and David Bowie. Like, I don't like '80s David Bowie, and I don't like '90s David Bowie. I just don't like it. It's but, not very good. But, but if you go, but, but if you go back, David man, '70s David Bowie so is good. so good. But the same thing with Warhol, like. There's some early Warhol where you're like, oh, it's amazing. And same yeah. thing with, and same thing. So I feel like the same thing is true of artists that are really good. If you're, if you don't like them, it's because you're looking at the wrong period. You need to go to the period where they were really genius. There, there's a reason why. I mean, they get, they, at some point they're trying to make a living. Right, exactly. Or, or and so they're, and they're reproducing just the things that made them money. So I feel like that's true of Van Gogh. Like it's just rehashing at some point. Just go to the part where they're. You just need to get educated better about what what is the genius. You know what would be genius period. is if someone like displayed Van Gogh's ear. That'd be cool. <laughs> like somebody got it. I got his ear. Here it is. I think the idea of pop art is interesting, and therefore the idea of Warhol is interesting, and I think that his impact on culture at large is undeniable. But I also think that he's a hack <laughs> at the same time. Like, I think he got, well, I think you he, can I think be. he got you can away be both. I think you he can got be both. I think you he totally got away with something. something. Like, he's, he he's obviously the porn addict. And he obviously did a bunch of work that's pornographic in nature. And he's obviously high all the time. And he made super weird movies all the time. And it's like, he, he, can be he both. really got away with something. He can be both. But he also changed everything. He did. Which is, which is really weird. It's like, a, it's like a fact. Did he change everything? He absolutely changed everything. Like, in, in, the, in the graphic design world, yeah, and and graphic design is the soup that we swim in, man. Hey, is that is that uh, is is that Obama silhouette thing where it was like colored blue, David red, Shepherd. blah? Is that oh, she David Ferry? Ferry? Yeah, but wasn't Ferry. it a Warhol knockoff? Doesn't it come well, from it's him? It's, it's derivative. It's certainly it's Warhol inspired, but I mean, it's no, also it's kind of revolutionary art inspired, though. It's kind of like freaking Cuba inspired. But also, this is what you guys are talking Shea about. Guevara. You really like street <laughs> art. You like street art. I mean, I do. that's all related. That's all that same. Like sort of. Genre, I do like so. street art. I like other interesting things like Escher. To me, is like I wouldn't put an Escher in my house, but I would. I like to look at it because it's just kind of mind twisting. Rachel, we jokingly say uh, that you have the ability to see ninety seconds into the future, <laughs> and the joke is that ninety seconds isn't quite enough f to help get us rich. I know, <laughs> uh. but it's enough that uh. we can we can see it coming. And um, so I got a question for you. Design wise, so let's let's do like three. Let's do like what's what's the emerging artistic sensibility? What's gonna be what's going to be the next thing that people care about? Not that they actually has to be produced, because oftentimes we look backwards to, to make things popular. But where where is design where is art headed? Where's design headed? And crucially, where is typography headed? 
You can do it in reverse order if you're most comfortable talking so about type. Art, design, and type. And typography. Yeah. So typography right now is super interesting because it's so minimal. Like it's beyond minimal. You know? It's, but I think that the advent of digital of of the be able to have the clean lines and digit and uh, like the screens becoming more and more uh, bright and fine in their pixelation, right? I think that that allows for that. It does because before, you can go finer and finer and finer. Yeah, before yeah. you couldn't make these like sharp points and sharp lines because the digital and you can't print that yeah. fine. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's that's cool. I love the typography. Style. Where's type going, and how's it going to affect culture at large? Well, it it has gotten super super minimal. So like, um, I'm trying to think of a good font, but or I mean a good like logo example but basically logos oh, like taco bell lo, taco bell i mean every every logo you can think of has gotten super minimal and it's it's kind of freaky because i don't know how much more minimal you can go you yeah, know that's, gonna be, that's a fad though i mean at some point it's just gonna bounce away. it's all a fad that's the that's what we're talking yeah. about yeah. so in 90 seconds in the future is there gonna be a backlash are we gonna go to the new rococo next or are we gonna go more minimal first um i think we're gonna continue minimal actual actually which is crazy to say because it just seems insane but i actually do think we're going to keep going minimal and then and then eventually we will go we will go how many years we got five more years yeah i think we do i do think we're going to continue to go minimal probably two more years two more years the pendulum swinging out to the outer edge of minimal yeah and then what design yeah where does it go from there after minimal i think we'll do um like we'll go back to that like worn out stuff you know what i mean like the aged yeah distressed Mm -hmm. Funny you should say that because I also feel like the new Rococo is kind of upon us and the return to 80s sensibilities everywhere. The new what? Well, what do you say? I think new that's, Rococo? I think that's what's what, starting what with. That? Um, There's like an age of paintings type R O C C O C O. I think that's what's happening like, with design with like, um, with uh, what's the word? With houses? Mm, I can't, sorry. What's the By word? Way, you said that you, that you, in Norway, you had that you love the lines and everything. Have you been up to this new development behind Magic Mountain? Yeah, and I hate it. <laughs> it's so terrible. They well, tried to do Norwegian. And it's well, no, this terrible. is what I'm talking about. So with um, home home design. Well, we went through a fad here in California where it was very Mediterranean in the in the '90s, early 2000s. Maximalism. Then, I think home design is going towards maximalism. So look at this picture. I wish I could show it to you. Maximalism. I think home design is going towards maximalism. Maximalism. I think it's COVID related. Do you think it's starting now? I think it's starting now. And I think it's COVID related because I think people want something cozy. I think it, they want something earthy. So maximalism like, would be described as just filling just your house. Layered. Just, just layering really and layering layered your house with, with trinkets like, and pictures. And, and, and like plants. plants. And like well, some, that's this Rococo earthy. thing you're saying. The Rococo it is related to Rococo. Start. It's related to Rococo, but yeah, Rococo is more like gilded. And I don't, I don't think we're talking about gilded and like. That's a good point. I think we're talking about like earthy, like alive. I think alive. more alive. Like more plants, more like, you know what I mean? And it'd be weird. It's weird to me that topography is detached from that it that's, is weird if that's where homes are headed so that's why we only have two more years of this before, before yeah but it is it just you just it's still really clean because because i think what's on your screens is different from what's in your homes and i don't really know why that is but it is Ooh, well i think because you're trying to absorb a lot of information at once i think there's and two you, two yeah, worlds if happening. you make if you make it too cluttered you can't absorb the information yeah i think there's two worlds happening i think your real world you want to be 
alive and warm and layered. And I think your digital world, that's different. Yeah, it is. I, I, I will agree with like the, the homes are getting warmer. They're they're going away from the grays that were popular. Yeah, for, and everything for, was right. white for a long time. Everything is just well, white, be careful. Gray. Like our, our listeners are right now like holding a brush, staring at a wall that they just painted white. And they're like, wait. Am you I can late? always repaint. Don't worry. Paint, paint cheap. By the way, I'm, and white, you can put white. Uh, you you're, can leave your from Just put some layers Yeah, what's happening is, it, let's just put it this way. It's going away from bright white, which where it was, or the grays, and they're coming back to the Swiss coffees, which have a little brown in it. Just, That's what you see in the walls in here. Just throw pillows coffee. and some paintings. You guys just, it's fine. And what was the other one? Art one of, design? Yeah, but art, it's really hard to tell where it's going, so I guess I won't make you answer that one. Where do you think art's going? Oh, you're saying fine art. I, yeah. It's, it's, you can't really know. Just, fine I, art's my, really my opinion on art, my opinion on art is that you should always just do what you love anyway, because. You have to look at it. You ha- it's it's so personal, and I think if you if you are trying to follow something, that's just not that's you know what's interesting at, at our just do what you love. It'll make you crazy. At our building that love. we that we own up here, uh, it's got a lot of square footage, and we did a lot of changes to make it better. Right, we made we did paint and all these other other different things, and then we get a lot of asking for, are you going to put art in the walls? And I say no, and they say why, and. It's because the minute you put art up, you've made a decision yeah. about the hallway. You made a decision and it just gets ridiculed. And honestly, it's more neutral to not do it. Well, and it's dated. It gets dated. It gets dated so right quick. away. Unless, I mean, you well, and that's my opinion about art is that unless it's something that's personal to you, it's dated. What's and I feel like if it's sh- personal. In the 90s, it's it was not really dated. popular. It had like these shapes, like they had shapes on art, and like, and you'll have shapes and you'll have like, and it's kind of weird, like, kind of olive greeny stuff. Anyway, we had that in the lobby of this building and there were huge pieces of art in there that were these like 90s and it just felt so dated. Yeah. And I'm like, remove all the art in the building. And we did. This we removed all the, the art. episode of Parks and Rec where... Oh, with <laughs> where, Tom. Where Tom Haverford <laughs> bought a piece of uh, modern art and um, he bought it as a joke and he's just like... And then, and he starts describing it. He's like, yeah, so this is the art that I want to hang. He's like, it has this purple thing going on up here and, and this orange thing down here and his face starts to get all thoughtful <laughs> and they do a cutaway confessional interview he's like is it i just had an emotional response to art <laughs> he's like is that normal am i normal <laughs> and then and then he loves it and then that's all he wants is more and so you, you see him at the end during the credits talking to the same artist throwing money at him he's like just make more shapes i want more shapes <laughs> So true. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's so true. It is exactly what we were talking about with R before, which is like, does it talk to you? Is it like making you feel something? Is it? And and that's why you Look, have to babe, pick that art for your babe, house. I think that's like, true. make okay. the art that makes I know you that you feel. think that's true. And at the same time, I know that you're saying that to be ecumenical because I know that there's some people who put art in their house. You're like, wow, that's gross. I need a freaking you dictionary. You really should put that up. You too. When you disgusting. talk, because you, you're both like readers and you have ecumenical. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know I, what that Rachel's means, doing that as an outreach. Just do what you love. That's that's something you say when you're trying not to say, yeah, some art sucks. Well, no, I do believe some art sucks, but I also think if you are filling your art with filling your house with art that you that moves you, well, then okay, that's so I great. Have a really but interesting you, question along these lines. Okay, we both agree. Maybe Randy doesn't. Mm-hmm. That art that art is about what sings to you. Now let me ask it's, you this. You Shapes. look at all the billboards, right? <laughs> and I have games with my kids, and I ask the kids, good billboard, bad billboard, or good logo, bad logo. Is good logo, bad logo game universal? 
Universal? What does yes. universal mean? Meaning a good logo and a bad logo are universally accepted. Oh, that's the easiest answer in the world. Go ahead, so Rachel. Go, no, but is what? it? Because it's art. There are logos are pieces of art that represent a company. No, I'm so, saying that a hundred. The, are there good logos? Absolutely bad not. Logos? There's people right now who are like, "What is Taco Bell doing?" Like, I don't even know what they're talking about. But anyway, they're go ahead. they're going minimalist. There there are people that hate minimalism, and they want everything to be curly cues and decorated. But, and, uh, look, there are principles of design that are like you know one third, one third, one third word, and that is good design period like there are rules that you can follow i understand that there are rules i'm just saying that is it universal people agree with those rules the answer is no yes because look if you go back <laughs> oh, and you look yes. at, if you <laughs> if you go back and look at greek art or whatever it's still beautiful yeah there you may have you may like something on the fringe as a personal acceptance of this i just like it but when it comes to graphic art and logos and things like that not true you respond people respond Agree. So you're, you're, defi- you're defining acceptance and, no, and correctness respond. by response. You're yes. saying if it provokes, if, if it makes you respond, if it provokes the response that art. you wanted, then it's a good logo. No, 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 not that you wanted, just the a response. Right. It's a it's just universal. A response. What you guys are saying is nonsense. No, not <laughs> true. Everyone knows it. Not true. Everyone Here's the thing. <laughs> I guarantee you, if we go up and down, we play the billboard sign. We play the billboard sign game, right? And it's good logo, bad logo, and we see. I don't know. I was so ten. good at making billboards back in the day. If Okay, so there's you 10. Actually, we see 10 <laughs> billboards, okay? 10 billboards with logos, or you can use trucks or anything like that. That's what we do when we do our road trips. And we go, good logo, bad logo. And we have 10 people what's, in the car. What's the definition of a good logo? It does it elicit it do- a response. Right. It, no, no. It, it, or, or, a, or it elicits a bad response. I guarantee response. you. I say response. I and I'm going to say, say 90 to 95% of, of the time, we all agree on what's a good logo and what's a bad logo. About 95, 90, I'm going to say 95. That's a, that's pushing the envelope, but I'm going to say 95%. Because you're going to look at a logo and you're going to say, hmm, that's bad. William, but, is that true for art too? Like if you took them through a, an art no, museum? I don't think it's true for art. And that's the weird part. That's why I said it's strange. Interesting. Because design I think a graphic diff- design is different from... Uh, from art because art can be more detailed or it can be less detailed because you can fill in your feelings or take a, a logo is not there to elicit an emotional response. A logo is there to represent something. Yeah, and communicate something. Right. And if you're not communicating it properly, then nobody knows. Like there are so many bad logos out there. It's terrible. And it's like, I look at them and I think to myself, why did you do that? You make yourself look bad. Yeah. It's not looking professional. It doesn't look good. It doesn't elicit a positive representation of who you are. Like, for instance, Nike, most famous logo probably out there. Apple, most famous logo. They haven't changed it. It's the same thing because it continued to elicit a response. Now, there's others that, like Coke, for instance, one of the most recognizable throughout the world, right? Started out as a good logo, ended up as a good logo. And there are others that have started out with bad logos. And as they went along, they had to fix it. And then there's others that thought they had a bad logo and tried to fix it and made a bad one. Pepsi. One of the things I really like about the last 30 years is the importance of audio marks. So audio marks are the same thing as a logo, but but it's you you add it to all your radio spots and all your TV spots. You have an audio mark. When you hear that audio mark, it makes you think of the brand. Think for a moment of the Taco Bell commercials. What, what's the noise? Ding. Boom. Right? right? I they love ha- it when I turn on my computer. Oh, oh, yeah, the Apple one. The Apple one. I love it. Mm. Like, I just feel good. 
It feels good. Yeah. It feels good. Uh, audio marks are a lot of fun for me. I like audio marks That's a lot. I didn't Especially, think uh, by the way, those are also another universal one. I told you about the experience we went to see the LA Phil, and they had this crazy ultra modern. It was the the final piece. Yeah, and yeah. I looked at my daughter and I said, "Hey, guarantee you, everybody's going to stand up as a standing ovation." But let me ask you this: Is this good music? And she says, "Terrible." And she likes classical music. Yeah. She goes, "No, it's terrible." And I said, I agree with you. It is terrible. And sure enough, at the end of the concert, so you're going they back, all stood. So you're going to an idea, though. So you you assume that they all stood because it's because of political. It's a political reason. Like no, I, I think I think I'm no. supposed to like it. Is that I don't I don't consider that political. Well, I consider it uh, for reasons other other than whether or not peer the music pressure. Is, it's for a peer reasons. Pressure. Okay, I need I have, to look like I have I'm an alternate take. Defined. It's yeah. an alternate take that Rachel and I often share, which is. There, there's like three categories of things. There's good things, there's bad things. And then there's this third thing, which is not nothing. <laughs> which is, yeah, it might be horrible, but I'm going to remember it forever and it's going to make an impact on the world. It's not nothing. And we can, like, like a third well, of all... There's got to be a fourth a, one. A then. third of Nicolas Cage movies are not nothing. Where it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's hot garbage, but I'm never going to forget that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, 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 uh, I'll never forget this piece. But I can't. I couldn't tell you for a single second what it had, other than there were thirteen bass. But it players. was not nothing. <laughs> no, it didn't fall into that category. It didn't change my life. It didn't change anything. And, it's not going to be played again. And yet, and yet, we all these years on, we're talking about it for the the fourth time. Right, but that's just it's just an <laughs> example. It's an example of there are universal things that are good. For instance, minor pieces don't feel good to people. There I, are so, things that are. I think there are things that are really good that are nothing. That's the thing that's, that stinks about about what I'm saying. There is such a thing as really good but nothing, because it, because you just, it's not memorable. It's not going to change anything. You don't you don't care well, about. But there's it. a fourth category, which is well, I'm making up categories. I mean, obviously, there's not just three. I'm just going to say there's nothing. There's this nothing. was a nothing. Nothing or not nothing. Well, uh, another one. <laughs> my so my brother, my my cousin played this really beautiful. No, the nothing thing. You're not talking about. I'm telling you, there's a difference. <laughs> I, I'll have to think, noodle that. But you know, I went to a funeral of my uh, my aunt and my my cousin, who's a very accomplished violist, played this uh, strange piece at her at her funeral. It was just like me, my brother, my mom, my mom, and uh, and the three siblings of of my aunt, and uh, it was it was a very interesting macabre piece, uh, but it didn't make me feel good. And I think at the end of the day, logos, uh, music, audio responses are all feel-good things. And, and that's what you're trying to... And when you say elicit response, I think that that means that it feels good. And I think that that feel-good is universal. Because you don't, want, you don't need to feel bad. Why no, do you feel bad? You want to feel dread? I guess well, for a horror movie. Yeah, and that... Well, that yeah, bad? I mean, like, it elicits... Like, it does elicit... I mean, isn't there time to elicit a bad response? Yeah, sure. Horror movies, one of them. Yeah, squeaky squeaky doors are mostly yeah. annoying unless it's in yeah. a horror movie because I mean, then like, it elicits response. What's Friday Thirteenth, you know, Friday Thirteenth. Like, isn't there? What's that? There are times when you elicit a bad. Oh response yeah, what's that? Great. What's that? I think of that. Wait, Friday the Thirteenth. Oh no, yeah. that's Psycho. Or, or like Jaws. Psycho. You're thinking Jaws. of Halloween. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's lots of them. Where yeah, good elicits good a point. bad response. Like that. That's. Fantastic. But that's you guys, that's, are, you guys are saying something to me as if I'm arguing, and I have no idea what we're talking let's about. Let's fight. Let's fight. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? This is, Rachel stepped up her game. No, She's trying to come starting, after me. You guys are starting to say like that you don't ever want to listen to something bad, and I don't, I don't think that's true. Oh, I'm, I think, not well, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. You're saying good. 
You don't always good. No, no, I'm not a solicitor. I'm, I'm just going back to my logo thing. We're all, we're all gonna, most of us are all gonna agree that there's good logos and bad logos. We'll play the I game agree. someday, Randy. We'll go on a little drive. I'm telling you. So, guys, in a few days, we get, we get, uh, Rachel and I get our second born in the wilderness, Lucas, back from his, his two year LDS mission. By the time they hear this, we're he'll excited. be back. We're pretty excited. So, by the time they hear this, he'll be back. Because um, this is a, this is true. a next week release. It's probably true. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to, and so we're, we're kind of, we got our other son flying out. So the whole six, all six of us will be in the same place. Uh, under the same roof. Oh, Rachel. That's you pretty feel, <laughs> I know Rachel is, by the way, Rachel's I got all choked up about bad. Lucas coming home on our last podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, I love Lucas, but <laughs> what the heck is going on here? No, it was the idea I'm of excited. a grand homecoming. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'm excited. So I'm we're, excited, we're excited to get him home. Summer is, where are we in the summer? We're in the middle of July. I think we have like a month before school starts. Because our, our summers are really short. It's a weird, weird break. So Ooh, school I, starts like August 10th or something. Yeah, that's terrible. I have, fun, I have fun news to report on the work front. So I, um, we have started uh, pre-production on our next game. So we have a game in the market that's been successful forever, a game in the market that is successful that we're about to blow up, and we're, we're starting our third game. Blow up in a good way. In a good way, yeah. And we're starting our third game um, because we're about to have team members that are available to make it. So we want to do it. And I have been in now two or three meetings where we're doing the creative pre-production. And I just remembered why I'm in this business. Because <laughs> I've been doing all this really, there's a bunch of really hard work associated with being an executive producer that has to be done well. And I get it. And it's part of my job. But, but the reason I'm an executive producer is because I'm good at this other thing that I haven't had a chance to do the whole year that I've been there. And I've had a great week. It's just been the best week of work. Is this because of creativity? Yeah, it's because I'm creative. It's not just because I get to be creative, but it's because I get to be creative in a room full of other creative people. And, and I can see that they're like, oh, oh, this guy can, can hang here. He's got chops. He can hang creatively. And it's just really fun. So I, cool. I had a really good, uh, I made a bunch of contributions to the game yesterday that are, that are going to be a lot of fun when the game comes out. So. How long does it take to make a game? Uh, it depends. We're gonna have a. We're gonna. I mean, how long is it? Mobile, how long ga do you mobile games. Mobile games often take about eighteen months. That's it's not uncommon time. for them to take two years. It's. It's. If it takes more than two years, it'd be rare. Only just because of market constraints. Just because it's like, you better you better make a lot of money if it's gonna take more than two years. <laughs> do you right. know what I mean? And so um, we're actually. So so we we had our current game out in eighteen months. Um, but as, but games are interesting because they're never done anymore. Now they're always live operated. You're always making new stuff for the games. So ours is it's been out for 18 months, but it, but we've been we're still making it. You know, so right. it'll go forever, theoretically. Ever and ever. Yeah. Good. So this but this one will have a this one will have a soft launch um, in the fall. We're gonna because the part of the iterative cycle of making games, people no longer just bet at all on whether or not the game's going to be cool, except in console games. They'd still do that on the Xbox and PlayStation. But in mobile games, you just act like you don't know anything and you launch the smallest version of the thing you're going to make into the market and you see if the, the audience responds at all. If the audience, if people buy it and people like it, then you're like, okay, great. Well, then we're going to keep make, we're going to keep making this game. So we're going to launch a super like three levels advertisable version of the game in the fall and then we then we play the, run the ads and we see does anyone click this ad and if no one clicks the ad then we try it two or three more times with different ads and then we're like screw it cancel like that's how it goes oh interesting yeah it's a really interesting we don't we, you just can't take the risk right like there's just too much money at play and it happens all the time there's a couple of big console games that 
like the biggest game makers in the world, making the greatest shooter with the newest innovation. People go completely nuts about it. And then they get the game. They're like, it was all right. And, and, and these companies are two or 300 million into making those games. You know what I mean? Wow. And they can't, they can't afford to be all right. They have to be amazing. And so, um, and they're starting to kind of pick up this mobile game way of doing it too, where they're starting to launch games, get, call it games as a service. So instead of, instead, we're not making you a slippy, we're making you a 7 <laughs> Eleven. So, That's awesome. So, uh, so they're starting to do that on the console side too, where they're, they're flipping all these games that were going to be, you know, console only one day launch games. And they're, they're making them into, yep, this is a live game where you play against all your friends and it's forever and we're going to constantly update it. That's happening. Huh. So, okay. So, uh, before we end, I got one review. Oh, yes. Oh, I've been wanting to hear this. So I haven't because, heard this review yet. Because, because poor Fierce is, Shattered his, he's shattered his heel. Yeah. And he's off of it, like literally no weight. He can't do anything. He can't swim or anything. Well, he can now. He took the cast off. So we could actually take him to the swimming. We just can't help. We have to help him out and stuff like that. He can't, he literally can't put anything on his toes. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It was like one week into the summer. Blows up, literally blows up his heel. Yes. And there's just fractured and all these little pieces. Yes. And uh, anyway, so we've been trying to like do stuff, right? So we took him to a movie. So we're like, oh, what's out? And there's some movies out right now that, you know, like this Thor movie is not not kid friendly. <laughs> not kid friendly. Uh, and I I'm not I don't even know if I'm gonna go see it. My daughter yeah. saw it, who just came home, Francis did, and she said it was too much theology, God hating stuff that she just didn't like. Yeah. Um. And then there's other parts too that are probably not appropriate. But so we went to see, uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. I can't wait to hear what you say about this. World Dominion or whatever. Okay, so you know how, like, did you ever see any of the Sharknado's? Which, by the way, it was a solid trailer, like, for that movie. Did you ever see Sharknado's? Yeah. You know, they're, like, so terrible that they're funny to watch? Yeah. This doesn't make it down to that terrible. It is so bad. Oh. It is so bad. But I love Chris Pratt. I love Chris Pratt, too. And, by the way, he's not the most interesting part. There, there's a black girl in it, in it that they introduced somewhere about halfway through the movie who is awesome i wish she were in everything yeah I mean, she was she was that she, she just had she was really interesting on the screen she had kind of a cool demeanor i yeah, liked her wonder who that is. she was the up, most like, interesting person in the movie everybody else was on the terrible spectrum the <laughs> director or the directing was terrible it was no, felt is it disjointed. Long? i heard I, felt, I feel like it was really long is it long it felt yes. Well, it I left long. several times because uh, <laughs> Fierce needed a couple of things, so I had to go out and get him stuff. So I'm like, it was it was so bad that it was laughable out loud. Like I was starting to predict things. Like well, there's one point who directed where, it. I have no idea. There's one point where T Rex shows up, right? <laughs> and you know the logo for Jurassic Park where it's a circle with a T Rex in the middle of it. Yeah. There's a moment where the T-Rex goes behind a fountain that's round and the the silhouette of his face gets in there. I'm like, oh, look, it's the logo, right? <laughs> and then, like, the bad guy's getting away in a tunnel and steam comes out from the sides. I'm so, like, so good logo happen. or bad logo? Good logo or bad logo, William? Oh, it's a good logo, I'm but it's, I'm like, I think you're talking about Did it Wise. elicit a good feeling, or I'm just it was this? It was a, oh my gosh! And the acting, I mean, Chris Pratt's a good actor. He's got good chops, and all the other actors are pretty good. But it's just terrible. So did they, did they do too much? Did they do too little? I, oh my me. gosh! The premise of the whole thing is that there's the are, dinosaurs are, we spo- are now. Are we going to spoil? No. The di- are we going to spoil? There's no story. Oh, okay. The, and by the way, the, t- the, t- the villain is 
Tim Cook from Apple. Oh, yeah? It's the same guy. And then not only that, the villain's lair, right, is like the Apple spaceship-looking thing. Oh, right? really? The In round. the mountains. I'm like, I don't know why Apple, how, why they were going after Apple, but it was like the app, the big bad Apple company is doing big <laughs> bad stuff and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there's genetic blah, blah, blah. And it's just, and it's like, and the premise of the whole thing is that dinosaurs now live amongst the people because they escaped from the park. And they've been, and the problem is, is like they're eating people, but should we really be shooting them? And like, we <laughs> yes, really need to put definitely. them in. I mean, it is so stupid. Okay, so Rotten Tomatoes is 30% tomato meter, 77% audience score. Oh, well, we talked about that. That's a big differential there, but I do not believe that audience score. I mean, it is not even entertaining to me. Like, it was like out, laugh out loud, stupid, but it didn't quite get down to the so stupid that it was fun to watch. Yeah. It was just like, I got, I, once it was done, I was like, I was just glad to stand up. You know, I mean, the worst movie that I saw a few, I don't know how, it's been a while, but Independence Day 2. Oh, yeah. oh my bad. gosh, it was so Wait, the, so bad. There was bad. an Independence Day too. There was. Oh, yeah. it was the worst. The first one. It, and was it was the worst. And it was obviously rewritten. Like I was watching it, and I'm like, okay, makes sense, makes sense, makes sense. Not good, but makes sense. And then all of a sudden, it starts to like motivations just go to crap, and people disappear, and people show up, and I'm like, oh, oh, this is rewritten. She got written out of the show, and they wrote this guy in because she was so bad at it. <laughs> Like that it happened. Was oh, awful. It was really wild. Well, yeah, no, so Jeff, this was okay. this was. Uh, it, I mean, I wouldn't even suggest renting it. I, I feel I feel a little bit. I feel know. good because a lot of times, like it's actually a statistic that usually the usually a guy in a relationship picks the movie that they go to, not usually the woman, and um, and I feel guilty every time I pick the movie. Because I'm like I'm just playing to stereotypes. What is that true? I always let my wife pick. I, and uh, and so Rachel, my wife won't go to Rachel the same like three times. Like, like we should go to that Jurassic Park movie. I'm like I don't I don't think so. Well, okay, so <laughs> I well I will say this: Fierce did like it, <laughs> but it's not because we don't, it's a, we don't let the 11 year olds pick. We don't let the 11. Well, pick. we did in this case because he's crippled. I know, I but know he's like he's no, she's just a bunch. Not, if you like dinosaurs running around doing weird things, then yeah. All right, friends. You heard it here. That's our life hack for the week. There, there is like a battle between T Rex and some other dinosaur I've never heard of. That's like the the predator. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, it's not even good formulaic. So we're talking about Thor and Jurassic World, which is like, how many times have we talked about these movies? Oh my gosh! Give me something new, people. Give me something new. I want to go see. I think I want to go see the Minions movie just to see. I will say every time they get me on those Jurassic Park trailers, they always get me. When there, when there's the part of the trailer where they zoom out and under the ocean, the, the creature's super huge. I'm always like, that would be so crazy if like dude, you're a surfing and there's like a giant dude. They have a, the, in order to make you feel good about this, right? The super creature, the giant thing underneath the thing is yeah. swimming with blue whales. Oh, good. As you and do. they're like, oh, it's not. It's no longer hungry. Evidently, it's not going <laughs> to eat the blue whale that it looks like it could eat in a, like as a two as no, an appetizer. The, the idea it's that like you... they're just it's, it's symbiotically living together. And it's like for some reason they tried to mix this idea of the lion and the lamb, but the lion still has to eat. So he's not he's not going to eat the lamb, but he's going to eat this ugly thing over there. It's so, so this is stupid. my pro, this is my pro tip then on, on this front. This is how I feel about nature. Well, I do think nature needs to be respected especially protected um, so that it can continue to protect us. I believe in that. I actually am not, I am not at all, like, I don't have any... I don't know what you just said. I'm not under any illusions that nature isn't trying to kill me. Nature is trying to kill you. 
Nature, like every level wild, of it. Wild animals try to kill you. Not the only, idea that I would live amongst dinosaurs and be like, well, we got to figure out how to get along. I'm like, no. not even that. Weather is <laughs> no, trying sir. to kill you. No, sir, we do not. <laughs> nature is by nature it's trying to kill you. Yeah, it needs it's to be the tamed. Weather is trying to kill you. The the environment's trying to kill you in the sense that you got to find food and it's not easy. I'm not under any illusions about this. No, and so dead. the idea that I have to go to a dinosaur movie and do moral equivalence with like whether oh or not to God. kill a dinosaur, I'm like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm going to shoot yeah i'm gonna do it there's this one there's this one scene where chris pratt is on a horse and he's chasing these dinosaurs to catch them so that they can be like brought into these special areas to the reserve yeah to the reserve like and he the the horses you know horses like i don't know 1500 pounds to 2000 pounds depending on the the horse and these things look like they're two times three times larger than a horse (laughs) right he he Lassos it, lassos right? it and yeah. somehow falls <laughs> off his horse and figures a way to capture this thing. Just, and then he does the put out the hand thing to this thing. <laughs> Which like, I'm he, like, and it's you're not, not gonna sell that more than once. I no. don't believe it the first time. So Oh no, oh no. It was like it was like, what the heck? And it's like these are docile kind of horsey kind of things running through the prairie, and I'm going, What, what, what is this? What is this? You do okay, look. Introducing dinosaurs back. Look, evolution took dinosaurs without man's help. Right? Says you. I bet it was the carbon footprint of the cavemen. No, the carbon. (laughs) 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 Many fires in the caves. Uh, All right, friends. Without man's help. Their dinosaurs are gone. So if they come back, man should help them go away again. I'd be happy to. I bet they make some sort of delicious delicious food. No, we don't agree on this. No, there's we, we people. Do. There's got to be a, there's there's be a stew. Like, no, there are more. They wrote this movie, and that they want you to know that the moral equivalent. Have they have a right to live there. No, there is one scene where who's that funny guy that was in the original? Oh, uh, the funny guy. Oh, the guy from New Girl. No, he's in like Thor. He was in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah, really funny. I like that. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, the original, original. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so he's in it, and he's doing this uh, speech in there that he's like, and he's doing this moral relativism speech and stuff like that. It was actually really funny because it was so absurd, (laughs) but but you could tell too that he was just like saying things because he was being paid for it, not paid (laughs) in the movie, but in the in his character was getting paid to say these things Got it. it was pretty that was pretty funny and and of the things that were going on fierce said he was the best character and he is he's he i love jeff Goldblum. whatever he's in he's just awesome <laughs> he just makes me laugh his i'll face tell you what jeff Goldblum is he's not nothing friends no, this has been nothing. another rousing episode of the waystation podcast uh we want to thank rachel davis for joining us and ha- helping us peer 90 seconds into the future we want to thank william for putting his attitude in a box and getting back to planet earth so we can have a regular broadcast and uh uh this is your source for life hacks social commentary and amazing stories have a good day bye